All right. <laughs> you miss me? Bad the bone. It's me, Problem Child, back again. Here, we're finally, you know. Oh God, I was listening to my goddamn mother in my fucking uh, what are your ears and our clueless or clueless? Is that ears and ours? Whatever. Who gives a fuck? It's 2022. It's the year of me. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm not really arsed. I'm not really arsed. I have a couple of New Year's resolutions. So last year, you might remember. The year previous, right? 2019 going into 2020. My, I had a big old list of stuff, right? Um, and I was talking about I even told you. <laughs> I was laughing at myself. I even told you Zig Ziglar. Uh, his his top five is his five point method for achieving any goal and all that shit, right? <laughs> I mean, the main thing is you actually have to do it. You have to follow through, but it does help kind of help you focus these tips that he gave. Anyway, so then I had all these plans, and then of course you know the the greatest the greatest excuse in the history. Can we say this of the universe, the coronavirus? I counted out because ah, counted out because ah. <laughs> maybe, maybe you heard of it maybe you heard of it SARS-CoV-2 maybe you heard of it huh uh, I couldn't no I couldn't do that it's gone to the point now where people are and this is not me getting on my right wing soapbox or anything like that so, oh my god is this really how we start in the air oh my god no 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 Um, I just you know, just you know when people blame COVID and it's not the you know the big conspiracy and all that stuff although hang on if there was a right wing soap and they had to store it in a box I think that the soap would probably be called whitewash so just hope, you know, any um, any alt-right, um, you know, I don't know, uh, lush, you know, uh, buyers want to start something, you can call it whitewash. Anyway, come here to me. No, I'm just saying it is allowed. It's been a great excuse for people not to do uh, the things that, you know, they want to do or things they should do. It's been the great excuse, the great leveler, you know. But it's also made people very gormless at their job. We were out at a restaurant and I was just, I just wanted some fucking, bro, you got a pen. I said, I, that's what I said, have you got a pen? I said, have you got any crayons? For the young fella, because we don't want to be giving him the poison of screens. Poyah! Spend my whole life holding the phone up in front of my face, but the poison of a screen on my child, innocent eyes. Even though he will literally, his brain will have a chip in it by the time he's 15. But um, I said, do you have any crayons just so he can have a little doodle on a napkin? And they're like, no, I'm sorry. Because of COVID, we can't. We used to give out crayons, but we can't give out crayons. And I'm like, oh, look, fair enough. Um, you know, kids manhandle it and everything. Have you got a pen um, that you can just draw with on the pen? They were like, again, COVID. I can't give you one of our pens. And I, you know, money bags, Scrooge McDuck, McGraw over here. Uh, I said, well, I'll buy the pen off you. And Terry was like, you're, stop. That's not how people talk to each other. And I'm like, well... <laughs> seems to me this lady and it was work we were working hard you know and everything else was just you know it was great but this lady is probably just you know uh probably been told that you can't give a pen and i'm like look i'll wash the pen and i'll give you the cash how much for the pen and i started taking a big wad of cash and i'm licking my finger the way people do that you don't really need to do people don't ever need they never need to be licking pages to turn a page <laughs> what's your price for the pen for the young fella <laughs> you know and I'm just holding, I'm holding like uh, five cent coins and I just keep licking them. <laughs> What's your price for the pen? 15 cents? Um, but you know, it's also like, but I, I mean, I, I would definitely do it. If I was there and someone was like, do you have a pen for my son? I'm like, that's fucking, I'm not getting you a pen. No. <laughs> I'm not getting you a pen. What's wrong with you? Come with a pen. Who doesn't have a pen? I'm not getting you a pen. If you want another menu, I'll get you another menu. You want a fork? All the stuff. This is stuff I have to wash. Don't be adding anything that I have to disinfect. You, you 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 know you muppet so um so we didn't get the pen but it has been a great level so anyway i'm talking about the goals i'm just so excited to be back i'm so excited that you're listening to me it's so nice to to speak and just be heard for a change rather than the fucking dinner tables i've had to endure listen to other people <laughs> okay i get it your kid did something <laughs> no i love all my nieces and nephews but i want everyone to listen to me and I have to keep ducking in and ducking out. You know what it is? You know, like, I mean, of course, I'm very much myself around my family and my in-laws. But I'm not this much of myself. You know what I mean? This, you know, this confident, sexy like I am when I know people can't speak. <laughs> people can't interrupt me. How empowered I feel when people can't interrupt me for a change. Just listen. 
all right, round table. If you had to come up with a soap that Nazis used, what would you call it? <laughs> I would call it whitewash. What would you call yours? Um, but uh, so, so anyway, my New Year's resolutions are um, last year, my New Year's resolution went from so 2019 going to 2020 I had all these goals I had like 15 goals I had things like you know run a 5k which I still to be fair could have easily done with COVID restrictions um I had like you know deadlift my own body weight I had you know text my friends do a voice message to my friend every day you know rekindle a friendship that's maybe petered out uh every single minute um there was other ones record an hour special do an hour comedy special and release it online um, and have it professionally done and that, that was one that, that I couldn't do but I uh, had all these goals and then they just you know and then it was also like I knew I couldn't do them wasn't too upset by the fact that I couldn't do them um, you know blamed blamed COVID for everything um, but then 2020 into 2021 my only goal any goals at all um, any holes a goal that's the one uh, it's a golfing term I believe uh, every, every holes a goal um in, in 2021 my only goal was to wash my face sometimes <laughs> I was wash my face sometimes not just you know, when I'm in the shower doing a whole like you know uh, cleanser or whatever like that but in the morning have assign a bit of time in the morning and the evening to look after myself and start with your fucking face right like how you draw a picture <laughs> start with your face and then draw everyone else around that's how I start when, I, when I'm drawing things I start with a face and then move everyone else out that's why a lot of the time um, I don't have much time for the landscape because the face is at the very center of the page. And the reason was that when I do a small little thing, it kind of sets my mindset into the rest of the things, right? Now, don't like, honestly, don't be fucking lit. This is, I'm really talking about me here. Do not come to me for any kind of, you know, you're like, oh, that's interesting. Like, I put on probably 12 to 15 pounds last year, right? <laughs> depending the scales differs depending on whether i peed in the morning right i carry a lot of piss right i have a massive bladder a famously large bladder um i actually think and i always i never i never do it at the time but i actually think that if i were to time how long i pee for and that's not to say that i have a difficult time peeing i just pee for a long time that i would break some kind of leinster record but i, I always realize halfway through that i should have timed it halfway through the pee you know and it's already ah you never think beforehand. You're like, oh, this is just surprisingly gone. And, you know, so that, you know, so 2021 was the year the scales get very fucking sassy with me. Getting very of a digital scales. And I kept saying stuff like, okay, cool. Is this the same person that was on last time? Just checking. Are you sure you're in the same account? Because this is, okay, it's the same guy. <laughs> same guy, right? It's just, um, okay, cool, 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 cool. Like a newborn baby's weight worth of weight. Um, which surprisingly, you know, I, I don't, I don't mind. That's the annoying thing. I don't mind it too much. I see my kind of face filling out. I see jump, my jumpers getting a bit bigger. And I'm like, yeah, I, actually kind of, I feel like it looks good. I like, I kind of like, I feel like I look bigger. Like a, like a, like a Popeye villain, Pluto, you know, or like a medieval king. I like it because I'm such an egomaniac. So I just think, oh, you know, more to love, you know, but um, I would like that to be a bit more. Anyway, look, I'm funny. I don't, I don't even know what point I'm making here. So that was my only goal. But my this year, right, um, I've realized the mentality is everything to me, right? The men, If I'm feeling like a good boy, I'm likely to remain a good boy for the rest of the day, right? I'm either a good boy or I'm a bad boy. I'm a fucking bad boy. And I tell you, I'm a bad boy, right? I'd say 2% of the year I'm a good boy. And then 98% I'm a fucking deplorable bad, bad boy, right? It's more like a, it's more like smug or indifferent. That's actually what it is. I spend two percent of my year smug, walking around being don't tell everyone that you did a walk today and try and brag about it. Right? Just it's fine. <laughs> don't tell someone you had chicken breast for lunch. Right? Don't. You get to keep that smugness. That's a beautiful gift that you have. You know you're better than everyone because you had that chicken breast earlier on today. Right? You know that. Keep it for yourself. That's for daddy. That's just for daddy. Right? Um. So I spend 2% of the year smoke and 98% indifferent. So how do I get, what are the smallest hackable steps to, to me being smoke for the rest of the day? Because if I do something early, then I'm less likely to be indifferent for the rest of the day, right? If I get to be smoke. So what I'm going to do is three days a week, 
just leave out my runners. Leave out my runners so that they're the only clothes that I'm getting into the next day. Right? My runners and my, my shorts. And if I'm wearing that, I'm more likely to go for a run. That was a that's a habit stack from the the power of habits by Charles Duhigg, I think. That's one of the key fundamentals is how to stack on a habit. But whatever. I'm not even talking about doing the run. I'm not even talking about going for a big long walk. I'm just talking about putting the gear out. Right? I can do that. And then once I'm in the gear, I'm more likely to have the momentum to keep going. You know? Similarly, I'm going to bung one day a week, just bung a load of shit in the air fryer. Just one day a week. One day. Get a big fucking bag of strong roots or whatever. Fucking sweet potatoes. Put it in there. A load of chicken breast. And whatever. Just even me putting it in. I'll feel and and leaving it out for the next morning or leaving it out in the freezer. Uh, I I will if I know that that's in the fridge. I'm likely to be smug and I'm likely to be like, no, I have that for lunch. I'm not going to sin with anything else, or I'm going to bring it with me, or whatever it might be. So it's just the what's the fucking smallest thing that I can do to get me into the mentality of being smug and better than everyone else. That's all I need, right? Because once I'm in there, I I I can work in there, you know. And I do think in terms of the long-term thing, I need to just maybe monitor, uh, you know, the weight and maybe I probably do need to have some sort of weight goal. But I don't know, you know, I kind of like getting bigger. So maybe I need to have some sort of muscle goal. I don't fucking know. But anyway, that's what I'm going to do. Don't, But again, do not ever, ever listen to me, right? Don't you ever listen to me. That's just what I'm going to do. Anyway, look, on the pod today, I'm going to be talking about the year 2021. Just a little recap, just to get, just, you know, get started again. Talk about some of the flicks I liked. We watched a lot of flicks this year. Um, Talk about some of the TV shows that came out and give a bit of a, you know, a bit of a ranking of my top five TV shows and talk about some of the best moments. Talk about um, some of the biggest disappointments. There was a lot of big flicks that Imho, in my humble opinion, did not quite stick the landing and... um, some of the games and I'll be closing out the show with um, the top five uh, songs that I found because I do not listen to contemporary music but some of the t- uh, the top five uh, songs that I found uh, by browsing uh, on Spotify this year so that'll be playing us out at the end of the show but before we get on to that uh, I would like to thank the sponsor of this week's podcast the Dubliner Irish Whiskey look I love this man. <laughs> I love the brand. And I love them. And nothing ever wrong is going to come out about them ever. They have squeaky clean porcelain bone skeletons in their closet. But um, they're, they're a fine brand. They're a fine bunch of people. Um, and we're hopefully going to be doing um, some very exciting things in the new year. And I hate when people kind of allude to stuff. But trust me, it's going to be quite cool. Um, but I also want to talk about their fine whiskey. What I'm drinking right now. Because I'm trying to be a bit more conscious. I've, I'm pinted out, to be honest. I'm pinted out. And if you're the same as me, you might find this refreshing because I found it refreshing for the last week. Getting a shot of whiskey, I use the Dubliner. <laughs> put a shot of whiskey in a pint glass. Um, I put in a full lime's worth of juice, uh, half a lemon, and then some ice, and I fill it to the fucking brim, mate, with um, sparkling water because that's what I like. And I tell you, it's very refreshing. It's very locale and very fucking tasty, and I highly recommend. And this one is particularly... Um, tasty because it's the Dubliner um, Old Fashioned which has all the kind of bitters taste it has all those kind of uh, am, you know, star anise kind of taste that you get from an Old Fashioned um, and it's got all that lemon and lime and it's absolutely delicious and I really enjoy it and if you want to grab yourself a bottle of the Dubliner Irish Whiskey go to the DLD.com um, and it's uh, free shipping if you order over 30 euro that's handy, pretty handy huh? the DLD.com anyway let's talk about 2021 today on the Tony Cantwell Shit Show. And I know, yeah. And I know you and you know me. And I know your mum. And she knows family. She's always telling me, stop drinking cans, stop sitting on me wall. I'll just paint you the wall. I still get off a wall if a guard's going by. I'm sitting, I'm just sitting on the wall. Just sitting on the wall. And then, uh, you know, a guard comes by and I hop off, hop off the wall. Still, you know. I've never been very good with authority. Um, even now, you know, I, I, I am good with it. But if I realize I can be cheeky, I will take the opportunity to be cheeky. Because if I kind of know my, if I kind of know my rights enough and, you know, Oh, I tell you the cheekiest thing I ever did. The cheekiest thing I ever did 
was they opened up a head shop in um, Fairview, right? And uh, it was, no, it was in Clontarf. This is back in the, I need to do a whole podcast on the, the wild, wild, wild. You think the Atlantic Way is wild? You want to see when the head shops are legal, pal? You <laughs> think that shit's wild? You know, you think the rolling hills of Colomara Colum- are wild? There was a fucking for- florist that shut down and four hours later turned into a head shop selling fake gack. That's wild. And we went up to the fake florist, me and someone who won't name, um, not to indict, you know, not to indict anyone. And um, we bought one of their world famous incense sticks. It was a pre-rolled um, spliff of some kind. Um, as was with as was within our legal right at the time of being of consenting age, and um, and you know we just wanted to have a nice uh, relaxing <laughs> bath or whatever, so bought um bought uh, one of these big old spliffs. These 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 packed a punch. These these were like these were <laughs> these spliffs were rolled as if the person rolling it knew that the popo were onto them and they may never roll another spliff. This might be have to, this spliff might have to last the rest of time. <laughs> this might be in a smoke circle six billion people wide and will have to last. It would they be so strong. And you know when you're yeah, you're just a greedy teen and do you remember one time uh, we bought one on um St. William Street. And again, like we were of age. Like it was like going in get buying a pint, you know, anywhere, which was totally within our right to do. Um, and five of us went up and bought a, a spliff each and then all lit our spliffs like they were cigars at a wedding. And then we just sm- like we and we were kind of like passing them around, even though it was the same amount. And um, we got so high that we forgot roads were different to paths. <laughs> and uh, and a couple of honks later, you know, we were um, given a bit of manners, you know what I mean? You know, <laughs> We luckily fled for our lives, but um, we didn't get. We remember walking across uh, Central Bank, just walking across, like from from the path over to like you know that shop that sells pens, <laughs> and I was like walking across and like <laughs> the big city, you know. Anyway, this time though we were out and um, we were outside. This isn't even a big story, but this is the cheekiest thing I've ever done. Outside the florist, and we. Um, we sat outside staring, staring out at the uh, Clontarf, you know, um, seafront. And we lit up our big, massive. <laughs> you'd, you'd swear if you were, if you saw us from a distance, you were like, oh, are these two lads practicing the recorder? <laughs> I don't know, these are just two big legal spliffs, pal. Well, to, we as soon as we lit them up, we had the obviously the, the lovely red light of our flame, followed by a blue light of woo, as the guardy she kind of pulled up. <laughs> and uh, and you know you know it was like two o'clock in the morning, twenty four hour. This, honestly, this shop. I went to this shop, right? We just randomly took a walk further. We were walking back from town. We were going to Gaffin Fairview. We just kept walking. You know, we were having good chats. We still had a bag of cans. We started walking up Clontarf Seafront, and we saw this shop. And they were moving. It was two o'clock in the morning. They were moving stuff in. And my mate was like, "This was a florist today. I bought flowers today." From my ma, this was a florist. It's gone. <laughs> it's a, and you know we we saw that the, the kind of boxes they were putting in, you know, had a kind of you know I don't know like funky characters, wacky aliens, and you know <laughs> the you know, funky funky characters that that would appeal to our and you know my demographic at the time. And um, so we pop our head in. We're like, hey, what's what's crack? Um, he's open, and they say yeah, twenty four seven. <laughs> I'm like, that's weird that's weird um and then we kind of see what they're unloading and they're unloading you know um packets of smoke tins of this um fake substance they actually still sell it in uh, thailand you can buy cigarettes that just have this in it um this chemical compound powdery thing that you put in um in in cigarettes or in you know i think it's mixed with tobacco anyway they were unloading um and um powders and pow- <laughs> powders uh, that had, you know, images of, I don't know, like, you know, cats, you know, meowing, meowing cats eating each other's faces off. And we're like, that's funky. That's fun- some funky imagery that appeals to my demographic. Um, so, w- so we were kind of like, oh, wow, is this like going to be like, is this going to be like the local 
head chop. Is this going to be like Cheers, you know? <laughs> Where everybody's off their note. Um, but and you know what? They weren't that friendly, to be honest. Like, they did, they did say they were open 24-7, but they were like, you know, they were like, are you going to kill me for even popping in? I think we were their first customer, and they didn't, they're kind of, you know, their kind of community spirit wasn't there yet. You know, their kind of, um, what's the, whatever the retail equivalent of Bedside Manor is. You know what I mean? Um, so we were like, look, well, yeah, all right. Look, we have two of your finest uh, pre-rolled uh, spliffs, please. And they were like, you mean incense stick? And I'm like, whatever, pal. <laughs> whatever helps you sleep. Um, and so we uh, we took them and we went out. And that's when we, that's when we, we lit up, you know, one each. Even do you know what? Even now, thinking about how drunk I would have been then, that would put me out of commission for two weeks. And then adding on top of that, oh my god, I can't believe there was ever a tomorrow. Um, so we we lit up and then boom, and the guardy shining a light in our face, like, hey, what's going on here? Hey, what's going on here? And I, you know, I don't know, looking for a bit of trouble, looking for curry, as we used to call it when you were looking for a bit of trouble, looking for a bit of chase. He'd say looking for curry, right? So I was looking for curry, and I, you know, I go, hey, just, uh, just enjoying a fine incense stick, buddy, from the shop over there that I bought legally. So if you got a problem, you could take it. It would then. <laughs> it was proper fuck the boats material, and um, and my friend was aghast. He was aghast. At the side of this. Because I'm a very soft-spoken boy. You know, I'm little. You know, I'm a little pink boy. And um, and this was definitely not the time to, <laughs> to, to emulate a bad boy. Um, but I did know that we, as I'm saying now, that's why I have no real issue talking about it on the pod here. Um, that it was within our rights to do so. You know? And I tell you, not to get on another bloody drug reform kick. But we didn't know we were smoking. <laughs> I had no idea what it was. Could have been anything. They kept. Ch- they had to change the chemical formula of it so often so that they could, you know, it could still be sold in the EU, you know. And then every time, everything would just like, no, now this chemical compound's gone, and they'd move on to the next thing and move on to the next thing. But imagine we could go into a shop and say, hey, me and my pal are looking for something that makes YouTube videos funnier, just marginally, that won't put us out of commission for two weeks afterwards. We want the sort of stuff that doesn't. Uh, blur the lines between path and road you know and then someone would be like oh this is a kind of a light um low percentage thc sativa that'll make monkeys even monkier <laughs> wow that sounds brilliant and i won't get all lazy and want to quit my my life goals in college not this strain <laughs> wow great because that exists you know um but instead we're going in there you know saying do you have that that makes me less of a cannibal? <laughs> you know, this, the last stuff you gave me, we had a kind of cannibalistic kind of vibe. You know, luckily, I, you know, I came to just chewing his nose. But who knows what could have happened? You know, um, but, you know, I'm, I'm 34. You know, I've um, I, I, I started messing around with weed when I was like 17. On and off again. I've gone years without touching it. And I've gone, I for the most part, go, you know, weeks or months without my own personal use and I, I very seldom do it alone um but i um but every time that i've 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 done that every every time i've wanted just to make monkeys even monkeyer which is essentially all i want to do um i've either been having to do it legally and and putting money in the hand of someone who's changing chemical compounds to stay out of prison and doesn't affect he doesn't mind if people are literally tearing the faces off each other uh, and then other people who are using that as the kind of low ball stuff to make money so that they can, you know, you know, do fucking gun running and, you know, human trafficking and all the elements that you don't know, the seedy side, where I don't want to, I'd rather be putting, <laughs> I'd rather be putting that money into a hospital, you know, I just want to watch monkeys, I want to watch gibbons swing around and pull the, pull the tails off cats, not in an aggressive way, but just kind of being a bit cheeky and laugh my ass off with my pals. And I want to make sure that money goes to a hospital. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's all I want. And I don't want it just to be going to, to, to people who don't have the best interest to people. You know? How amazing would it be if we had more ICU beds? And how do we get it? By watching silly monkey videos made even, made even better. You know? That's all I want to do. Um, 
And you know, other people like it for you know chronic illness and stuff like that. But ah, monkeys for me. Um, anyway, look, I'm going to talk about. Um, that was a <laughs> unexpected chat about um, about the head shops. But now I want to talk about the year 2021. Um, I found this year me and Terry start watching a lot more flicks since we have a baby. You know, everyone's telling us about series to get into, and oh my god, like. The pilot has to be so unbelievably good that we just we don't have time for any character building. As I said, we're watching episodes of The Witcher. Every time they're trying to talk about someone else who isn't The Witcher, I'm like, where's Poochie? Where's The Witcher? Just bring me to Bufflat. Hopefully, he's either fighting something that looks class or he's having a bat. Either way, I'm here for it. Give me the cavil in the bat or chopping something, right? Because I'm dumb because it's all the time I have for, right? I, I, have, I have to watch. You know, so if I watch a movie, I can feel like I achieved something. You know, so I was prioritizing movies this year over watching, um, over watching series. Um, but again, the, I, you know, I'm not going to the IFI, right? I'm not seeing erotic French thrillers as much as I would love to, right? I'm, I'm watching whatever the top movies are, right? Because again, I, it just is just this is just what I have time for right now, and there is what's so amazing about film is that it exists forever, and I can watch. All of the French erotic thrillers that I've missed in 2020, 2021. Um, and also, I've been, what I've actually been really enjoying, I know it's an unpopular opinion, I've been really enjoying uh, Disney Plus's uh, drip feeding of episodes, you know. They did it with The Mandalorian, one episode each week, you know. Um, and that's kind of their model now for the Marvel shows as well, is that it's just one episode each week. And I don't know week, you know. We don't know our own appetite for things, right? We're so desperate just to get everything in. Do we even enjoy it? Because we just don't want to have that and spoiled. It's like eating a whole bag of chips because you're worried someone's going to ask you for a chip, right? And I don't know if that's the most palatable way of enjoying content. So I've been enjoying just one episode a week. So um, as I said, these are just the flicks that I've seen, right? Of the flicks that I've seen, my top five flicks of the year were in in descending order, right? Number five, Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi and uh, The Legend of the Ten Rings. I thought this was a class flick. I thought, actually, that was a brilliant flick. The only thing that held it back was this loose grasp to the MCU. It in isolation as just a, a badass martial arts movie with some of the most impressive practical effects that I've seen, um, uh, you know, all year. Uh, especially... This is a movie. It's a movie that you know. You now it's a long movie, but in the same flick you have this unbelievable, like close quarters old boy style. You know, um, you know martial arts fight that's taking place on a bus. You got speed meets old boy. You got Aquafina screaming her head off. Everyone's laughing their ass off. You got si- Simu Liu, who is just the hottest, coolest dude. It's like Chris Pratt coming out with a fucking the. You know the purple shower in Guardians of the Galaxy, star making performance. He's absolutely brilliant in it, and I want to see he him helm. Um, I don't. I actually don't know anyone else really that I'm as excited for uh, in the MCU as as Shang Chi. To be perfectly honest, I think he's a breath of fresh air, and I am really interested in seeing more of his martial arts antics. Now the end does get a bit. I mean, I'm not spoiling that in here, but what the fuck are you doing all those animals and dragons and shit? It's cool to see dragons. Cool to see. But it was the same issue that I had with, you know, uh, Black Panther. You know, it's like, why is there a big, massive rhino-looking thing that's someone's pet? I don't need that. What I had was this amazing, you know, Afro-futuristic society. What I had is Michael B. Jordan, the best villain, in my opinion, of the MCU. In any other movie, is the hero. He's the Django. You know what I mean? He's just out for on a vengeance mission. He had his dad killed in cold blood in America. All his dad was trying to do was trying to just use some of the resources of Wakanda to to to, to for the betterment of of Africans in America. You know, get shot in cold blood by uh by Black Panther's dad. Anyway, the point I'm getting is, didn't need the fucking rhinos running around. Neither did Simulu or Shang Chi. One and the same. Now he's amazing. So I really enjoyed that flick. Coming in at number four, The Matrix Resurrections. I love this flick i was watching it and i was like i don't have the f- i'm gonna stop swearing i didn't have a, a clue i didn't have a fecking clue what was going on until i thought about it later and then read the wikipedia afterwards but after reading the wikipedia <laughs> now arguably that is too dense and that's why it's not it's a four and a half not a five star for me because i i was watching it at first and i was like i kind of want the experience 
I want the JJ cut of this. I was thinking to myself, right? I want the JJ cut. I want that you to dumb this down to me, right? I want, I want, I want you to take the best bits and all the bits that I remember and force feed them back to me and have it look cool and have it look amazing action and all that stuff. But what you get is something completely different. What you get is something that essentially adds even more rules, even more, you know, synthians, no, uh, modals, um, you know, like like brand new reinterpretations of the characters but they're also programs but they're also real and what it what it like it should it, it's adding more which you would just mean like no strip it back you, but it's somehow because of how they're telling the story it just becomes this absolutely transcendent piece of satire for the for the for the for the current state of movies in America Lana Wachowski did not want to make this movie they didn't want to make this movie at all. There was rumors that Michael B. Jordan, I know I mentioned him already, was going in. And he was like, yeah, I wouldn't mind being a Morpheus. And um, there was other directors that were going to take it over. Um, Warner Brothers even brought it up in Space Jam as an IP. They've been looking to fish it around. It's a billion-dollar franchise. They didn't want to do it. They didn't have anything to do with it. The Wachowski sisters didn't want to touch it uh, anymore. So the rumors were that someone else was going to do something with it. So Lana Wachowski is like, all right, you know what? I wanted. I wouldn't actually mind seeing Neo and Trinity again. I wouldn't mind making something. And what she ends up making is something that, if you're a fan of the Matrix, it seems like the you know Wachowski's just con people out with their money to make exactly what them and like five people want to make. And I think that's brilliant. <laughs> I think that's brilliant. They go to they go to Germany to get Cloud Atlas made, and they get like sixty million dollars or something off the German government, and they make a movie that only Tom Hanks likes. You know, it's amazing what they're able to do. So, um, but I love this. I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, but it is, it is a very meta movie. It's kind of like, of course, you know, if you saw the last film that Neo and Trinity die and the Matrix is essentially reset and the war between the machines and the humans is over. That still can exist. That's without getting very, without being too sweaty of a premise, they're able to actually bring everything back and also make a commentary about the modern society, our anxiety when it comes to technology, how that is being used as a kind of battery, considering the fact that humans are the batteries in the matrix, the a reinterpretation of what it is to be the messiah, what it is to be the one, a commentary on what remakes are. And, um, and I mean, some of it is a bit cringe. There's some bits where it's kind of like, you know, they're kind of workshop and stuff, and it's so on the nose, and it could have been funnier. It just could have been funnier. There's bits that are meant to be funny that aren't funny, that are big but um, And the action isn't great, but you know what? I kind of like Neo in the whole movie. He doesn't shoot a gun. He is just kind of like, you know, he's just, he's just every sing, sing, single move is kind of somehow in defense, you know? Um, the set pieces aren't as impressive, but just for as, as big of a swing as it is to say, Warner Brothers literally asked me to make a movie that I don't want to make. So here is me making a movie that adds to the adds to the mythology of the Matrix, brings up a thousand different themes, does this kind of scathing commentary not on people but on on how on how uncomfortable it is to be bombarded with information and desperately asked what we like, what we don't like you know, to define everything, to put things in boxes about identity, while also, you know, being true to the movie in a meta way and also giving you a tight little a tight little story. It's like a tight, satisfying beginning, middle and end that the other two movies couldn't quite do. This is kind of its own orange and it's self-contained. And also then, like Neo, flies off and being like, fuck your franchise, there's no way you can make that after that. There's no, it's, it's brilliant. It's an act of genius. It's a, however much it was, $200 million stroke of genius. Um, all right, number three, Dune. Whoa. Hey, it's me, a Sardaukar throat singer. Whoa. Uh, look, I know I went to this flick about 20 minutes late, and I missed the first 20 minutes, and I was a little bit high and very overwhelmed at how loud everything was. But um, on second viewing, um, I thought it was brilliant. Now, it is still a four and a half star because it has a very dissatisfying ending and not on the way seeing Lord of the Rings for the first time the Fellowship of the Ring in the cinema was dissatisfying people came out of the cinema I remember for Fellowship and they were like well it just fucking finishes no one knew like I was you know I knew it was like three books but I'm like yeah but like you know I thought it'd be like a satisfying ending and then there'd be a sequel you know no it's all one story and that that 
you know the concept was foreign to us at the time but um but with this i kind of felt like denis villeneuve could have come up with something made i know he took the, the book um and split it into two but so you know he essentially has cut it in the middle of I think kind of at the, the start, a second act, from what I understand, because there's a lot of world building that has to go into it. I've not read it, but um, either way, he's cut it in half, and I think he should have just, he, he should have made something up. He should have made up a problem that is, you know, in the first act that gets, you know, solved in the third act. You just should have made something up. If that didn't exist in the book, then I think something should have been made up, just so it would be a little bit satisfying. But the ending feels like the the beginning of the second act, and it, it's, um, it's not, so it's still... A four and a half. If he sticks the landing on the next one, two five-star flicks, Imho. Um, and I do find it particularly interesting and impressive that something that's a 60-year-old piece of text of sci-fi that is, you know, the, one of the most popular, if not the most popular sci-fi novel of all time, that has been borrowed from across 60 years of media, you can still put something up there that's the first sci-fi and still feels brand new and contemporary, you know? And the sound, I haven't had an experience like that, seeing it in IMAX. The sound blew, blew, blew my sphincter over my head. <laughs> I thought it was brilliant. Um, and I don't know what's going to happen. Stop trying to spoil it for me, okay? People tell me all mad shit that happens below 60 years old. But just, uh, you know, I'm just enjoy. Let me enjoy it at a, at a, you know, at a palatable speed, right? Um, all right, coming in at number two, my second favorite film of the year was Mitchell's versus the Machines. Um, this is a Sony animation flick, and I tell you, Pixar bro, with great respect, I wept for you for Coco, mate. I I I watched Wally there. What an underrated score in Wally, by the way. You know, I mean, obviously, fairly the whole thing is the first hour or whatever, forty five minutes, no one speaking. But I rewatched it there. The music is absolutely beautiful. Anyway, um. Pixar, mate, they're coming for you. They had the better year. They had the better year with Mitchells versus the Machines. Uh, what did you have this year? Was Soul this year? Was that last year? Encanto. Oh, my God. And can't believe how boring this flick is about a family with magical powers. That's insane. Onward, I thought it was shy. I thought it was boring. And it was really on the nose, heartstrings. There's been three movies they've done about kind of grief and bereavement. And, you know, Coco, Onward and Soul. And I think Coco is the only one that's sixth landing, even if it, it, it just doesn't even fully go into kind of bereavement. It just goes into the idea of, of, of mortality. But um, as you know, Coco is my favorite Pixar movie of all time. But Mitchell's versus the Machines is just a hilarious. It's like a brilliant. It's like a National Lampoon road trip movie, but with um, some of the most impressive animation that I've seen. Uh, certainly the best animation I've seen uh, this year. Um, and it's probably my top 10 animated movies of all time. It's just a family wanting to go on a road trip. The dad's kind of, you know, uh, you know, the kids are flying the coop. He wants to go for one more road trip, you know, and it's incredibly heartfelt and very funny. And um, again, a very scathing commentary about uh, our relationship with technology and, um, and you know, billionaire tech moguls. And uh, it has a Furby uprising in it, which is brilliant. It's not even part of any Furby IP. They just got Furby in there. Brilliant. The same way that uh, Pixar did for uh, Mr. Potato Head. Um, and it's really really funny I laugh I kept laughing laughing out loud it's a family movie um, and uh, and I think Sony Pictures uh, Sony Animations they're, they're coming for you bro Pixar uh, and I was very disappointed I've got to say this is this was in one of my top five disappointments but Encanto bro I was I couldn't believe that was Lin-Manuel Miranda tunes I was very disappointed it should have been his year it should have been his year had there been no pandemic because you know he did a Tick Tick Boom and I thought that was brilliant. Wouldn't be in my top. Doesn't make quite make uh, my top five. Certainly an honorable mention. He does, um, you know, in the heights, which I had to turn off. It was getting a bit. I just it wasn't for me. It wasn't for me. I liked all the music, but I didn't. I just don't like anyone who likes their gaff that or likes their area that much. You know what I mean? I know it's great and it's vibrant and everything like that. But I mean, you wouldn't hear me singing about Rohini like that. You know what I mean? Um, so I don't really like people who are that house proud. It's probably an Irish thing. It, it's it's not a very Irish palatable movie. We just don't have the same passion for where we live. Um, and then he also did um, the music for this. So with Tick Tick Boom, he directs for the first time, produces, I think, and then obviously has the music for In the Heights and then writes all the music for this in Canto. And Pixar don't normally do out-and-out -out musicals, but normally when they do this kind of like a through line, this seems like they were like, what do you have? And we'll figure out a movie based around it. And I think based on the timing, he went in and did the music for Moana, which fit Moana. They were like, this is our movie. Do you have a song that will fit Moana? He comes out with some 
you know, banging tunes. With this, I think he went in there and they were like, all right, well, we have a load of tunes. One's about being fucking strong. One's about being beautiful. Let's make up a load of sisters, the Hall of Magical Powers. And it didn't quite stick the landing for me. Um, and in fact, I actually thought it was bad and boring. And uh, the songs didn't have a through line. And also, I don't know why Pixar are even doing songs. Leave that for Disney, you know, Disney animated movies. Who Frozen and, you know, uh, Tangled and uh, Moana. Leave it to them. You just do your class movies about robots shooting fucking fire extinguishers in space. Please. Um, so Mitchell's versus the Machines is my number two movie of the year. The number one, I don't know if you even call it a movie. But it was the best feature-length thing that I watched all year. It was an absolutely transcendent piece of art uh, by the name of Inside, Bo Burnham's comedy special that came out this year. Um, I honestly I just think it's a stroke of genius. I think it's just perfect. And people get into the weeds of like, oh, did he make everything else? No, of course he had to have things up to a certain spec so it could go out on Netflix and he had editors and I'm sure he was sending off footage and they were coming back asking, can you recut stuff? And, you know, um, you know, he is growing his beard so you can kind of see more or less the progression of time, you know, but um, that's not really that important, really. It, it, I, I said this when I first saw it, and I'll say it again. Normally when I see anything to do with comedy or someone doing a comedy special, I'm like, oh, shit, like, I can't do that. It's the same reaction that I had when I remember finishing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater with Rodney Mullen, and then you see Rodney Mullen's skater video, and I'm like, oh, fuck, and I smashed my skateboard. I'm like, I'm never skateboarding again because I'm never going to be able to do that, so there's no point. With this, it was like, that is that. You're seeing an actual genius use their tool and be so young, but having done thousands of hours of just making and crafting and composing, just culminate in this and it's just the best representation of his own mental health at the time while also making banging tunes. And it it just, it didn't make me jealous. It just made me grateful to be in the same industry and did really inspire me to to at least want to make better um, content, uh, you know, uh, down the line. Um, or just know that something like that is is attainable for someone to make. And as technology improves, it's going to be even more accessible for people to make. But what I find very interesting and really resonated with me is even though we don't do the exact same, <laughs> we don't do the exact same thing, you know, he could never do what I do, hold a phone up to his face, you know what I mean? Um, even though we don't do the same thing, and his would be, I can only imagine what he'd be going through. If I make a Mazmate video, right? That is the 100th, if not 120th take that I've done of that video. My phone is filling up. I actually, every single time I make a video, my phone runs out of storage uh, and I have to delete takes because I just go over and over and over again until until I get it right. So I can only imagine with him and his attention to detail, uh, you know, how many times he's had to rewatch himself over the course of a year and how frustrating that can be, how... There's been so many times I don't get it, and I'm like, fuck, and I just want to throw my phone across the room. He's got so much more on the line. There's, you know, Netflix is involved. There's producers involved. And you can kind of see it from when he starts the show, the special, and songs like comedy. It's thought out. It has layers. He's using all this energy just to make it as good as it can possibly be and adding, you know, breaks and all these different parts to the song. And then when it gets down to, like, All Eyes on Me, it's just this sweeping kind of drone that he's clearly had these four chords and he's just been playing them over and over again on a loop. And this is the song that came out. Pro- probably, that was probably the song that took him the longest time. I, I'm totally conjecture, I don't know. But it just has that feeling of when you just are kind of lost and disassociated from yourself a little bit and you're just listening to the same chord progression over and over and you're trying to make something of it. Do you know what I mean? Without knowing what you're trying to make. I think anyone who's kind of messed around with you know, Ableton or anything like that, you're, sometimes you can just get lost in this hypnotic loop of something, you don't really know how to, how to get out, or what you initially even wanted to make, so I just find that interesting, and that, that that resonated with me, and, um, you know, I think it's the definitive piece of COVID art, Uh, I don't think, I mean, I don't think anything can top it now, you know, I think it's, you know, in, in a world where you're watching, where you're turning off some content, because it has to do with COVID, and you know other things like i was watching hawkeye and you know it's nothing to do with covid and they're going around new york and it's christmas and i'm like ah this this feel it just feels weird you know enjoyable but it just still feels how are you not mentioning it at all i don't know how it kind of walks the line of being everything and nothing to do with covid you know anyway as you can tell i fucking liked it anyway honorable mentions it didn't quite make it into this um 
One is <laughs> Chris Pratt vehicle, The Tomorrow War, which is the most batshit, dumb, sweaty-as-you-can-get premise of aliens are attacking in the future. So they, so the people in the future open a portal to send people from the past, as in present day, into the future to fight the aliens because they need more bodies. doesn't make any sense. No one at any point thinks of using a weapon of mass destruction. No one ever thinks to use drones robots any future technology they need bodies from the past but somehow it just pulls it off with brilliant uh creature design that are there's some terrifying moments there's it's it's mix of predator alien independence day even a little hint of the terminator it just it's got a fairly boring end to second act um and then the third act just comes out of nowhere and um some big dumb fun you know while somehow it's just incredibly I don't know how they pulled it out. Like I think it's a three star flick. I think it's a three star flick in the long run of things. But I I, I gotta mention it because I really had a, such a good time watching it. Um why is it still a three star flick? Because it doesn't break any new ground and it is then it, it in terms of its yeah, the bo- the second act is, is pretty boring and it's very sweaty premise. Very sweaty. Um another honourable mention was a flick I just saw over Christmas, Don't Look Up. And it's one I was, look, I was looking forward to. It's an Adam McKay movie off the back of, um, you know, The Big Short and Vice. He's gone for more kind of grounded political satires rather than his other movies, which are, you know, you know, <laughs> just hilarious oddball, still satires like Anchorman and and uh, and Talladega Nights. Um, I saw a reviewer kind of say that they would have preferred if this was more in the realm of a Talladega Nights in the way Talladega Nights is just like a commentary of the Bush era America, you know, and Anchorman is a commentary of, you know, the hard drinking chauvinist 70s lifestyle. Um, and, it, you know, it might it might have be- better been better served like that. I don't know, maybe if it was a bit more, you know, um, this is the end, maybe. But um, I really enjoyed it. I thought every single person in it is... It's just so in the pocket with their own character. And even though it's far too long, and if it was cut down to 20 minutes, I think it would be it would be a classic film. And the premise is, you know, that the Earth is ending. And it's a, it's a, such a... I think, I think people don't like something being so on the nose as, 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 you know, climate change, global warming. Because it is a movie essentially about, you know, climate change. That there is an asteroid coming. That we are going to die if we don't do something about it. And it's... But I thought it's just... It was really fun. It might not be the smartest movie in the world, but it might be the first to really show how you can politicize and weaponize any, any, you know, any viewpoint to the point where don't look up to not look at the asteroid becomes kind of the call of the of the the far right who who want to believe that they're not going to die, you know. And um, so it's it's really dumb, but it's it it still has this kind of star studded cast and. Kind of walks the line of a of a vice of of the big sh- and the big short, so it doesn't quite stick that landing like tonally, but uh, like Tony, but um, I did find it funny, and I thought everyone in it is just being s- like s- far better than they need to be for the for this like it's a it's a it's a Talladega Nights with you know Meryl Streep giving an incredible performance, um, Mark Rylance giving this insane robotic kind of steve jobs uh you know mark zuckerberg kind of mogul performance leonardo dicaprio has like a, a network level screaming you know rad like yeah yeah i want you to be mad you know and it's brilliant and uh, yeah, i don't know i i saw it was getting bad reviews but i um i liked it you know i think we can all see what it's going for some people like that and other people don't and that's fair enough I liked it. Um, I want to just make another commentary, right, about... Uh, not commentary. I want to say something, right? I'm sick of the fucking rock. All right? I'm sorry. I never thought this day would come. I'm sick of the rock. I love him. But I'm sick of him. And he is ruining cinema. He is ruining. He is ruining cinema. I saw him advertising today his own French toast recipe for his cheat day that he does. And he's now launching this French toast. And someone's like, just fucking stop it. Stop it. Right, he makes Jungle Cruise. It's boring. It's not quite the Mummy. It's not quite, uh, you know, 
Pirates of the Caribbean. And everything has a story. Everything is... He remember him talking about Jungle Cruise and he was like, you know, when I saw, ever since I saw Pirates of the Caribbean, it has been my dream to make a movie based off a roller coaster. And I'm like, what? What? Really? This chap has more dreams than I have stories about smoking bifters. Like, I can't, like, it was always my dream to have a French toast sold in Miami. Like, shut up, mate. I love you. I love you. But I, I can't handle this. And what you've just, the beigeification of Hollywood, what you have done, your, your seven books productions, I know they love you in China, and that's great. And I know they love you in America, whatever, for the most part, and that's great. But Red Notice is the most boring piece of shit I've ever seen. It is so unbelievably devoid of character and he doesn't know how to play characters anymore and every character he plays they're just talking about what he looks like look Schwarzenegger was impressive you're not impressive bro right and Schwarzenegger had more charisma on his fucking little finger than you do in your entire pectoral right or your whole body whatever I don't even know I'm tired now I'm done with you rock and I can't believe you're playing Superman's dog next year. I'm just so tired. I'm tired of you. And you're Terramana. And I want to get a bottle of your tequila. I still want to drink your tequila. But I'm just so tired of you, man. I can't, like, like let's talk action heroes, right? You've got, like, you got bad boys like Bronson or whatever like that. I haven't even seen any of those films, but the honorable mention, right? First action hero I think of is Arnold Schwarzenegger looking like something sculpted out of marble. I've never seen anyone like that. You're giving him guns. He's just having a face. Everything is shot around him. It's impressive. And then he's able to still show so much character by doing all the comedies and stuff like that. I don't believe you can do that, Rock. I actually don't believe you have the comedy chops to do that. Not like Schwarzenegger does. And then people get a bit tired of that. And they're like, you know what? We need someone who can actually move. And they bring in people like Steven Seagal and Jean-Claude Van Damme who are just actual experts in their field. These are proper martial arts. That's something you also can't do, Rock. And then when people get tired of that they bring in the bruce willis they bring in the balding moonlight and john mcclain's to come in there run around the bare feet they bring in or even you know a harrison ford someone who just can get hit and then just get back up and look like they're in pain and you can kind of get on side with them i don't know what you're doing in skyscraper i cannot relate to you i do not find you attractive you are not an everyman you just stand out what you, you you play a diamond a like a diamond heist expert a guy who looks like that is a fucking diamond heist expert in red notice doesn't make any sense to me bro i love you but i don't know how many more things you need to be grateful for i don't know what else you want and i'm not buying your fucking french toast and i know who's going to be my pick for next year and it breaks my heart it's going to be chris pratt it's going to be chris pratt he's doing a voice he's doing a voice of mario He's doing the voice of Garfield. I'm pretty sure he's doing the voice of someone else. I can't even remember right now. Enough is enough. Right. Now, I'm going to give you some flicks that I was very disappointed with this year, right? And not even because I really hyped them up, but just just some some flicks that you're just kind of like, oh, no, is this how things are going, right? Um, As I mentioned in Canto, I just thought it was piss poor, right? And I know I'm a grown man. I shouldn't really give a shit about, you know, uh, Pixar musicals, but I, I thought it, it just... How do, you, how do you not have really good songs? And how do you not have a story that's... I know it's probably going to appeal to some kind of black sheep of the family. And maybe it's a, kind of it's a, a gay-coded thing that I'm necess- not necessarily picking up or isn't resonating with me, feeling like a bit of an outsider and everyone else kind of fulfilling their potential and you feeling like an outcast or whatever it might be. It might be a, a, a kind of a a marginalized experience that I'm not, that I'm not going through. Um, but I didn't like it. Another one I didn't like was Eternals. Now, look, I know for some people they're going to be like, for some people, it's going to be a five-star flick, right? It has so many different stories. It has so much heart, but it has too much fucking heart. It's all all of the hearts of all of the characters trying to fit through the door at the same time, getting stuck. And you're like, well, there's no one in the room now because you're all trying to get in with your heart, right? For some people, they're going to, like, you know, if there's a deaf kid, they're going to say, like, oh, my God, there I am as a superhero. There's going to be Irish kids looking, oh, there I am, Barry Keown, doing his actual voice, you know? Um, you know, within reason, you know, they do did want to understand them, and you got you know kids of uh, of of you know gay parents being like, look, there's my dad, there's my two my two lovely gay dads on the screen, you know, being superheroes, um, you know, Kumail Nanjiani playing you know um uh, a Pakistani Bollywood star, you know, it's all there for the right people, but for me, a snarky sis. <laughs> 
straight white man who <laughs> no but uh, for for me who's just trying to be a snarky fucker who sees how this fits in the overall mcu i'm like who are you people i don't know who you are i'm used to movies about men you know lads who break out of prison uh, and they steal a suit that makes them tiny and they become ant men you know it's just fairly self-contained you're bringing in it's not even lore it's just like i don't like any of these people they're people who are here they're super powered but they can't get involved they're not allowed to get involved. They can't stop Thanos. They let the snap happen. But yet they can invent the sea drill and um, propel civilization thousands and thousands of years. They can pick and choose. Sweaty enough premise. I didn't... I don't like any of the characters. I thought the action was bad. I thought the character design is some of the worst I've seen. For a movie like, you know, The Tomorrow War, which is just an amalgam of all this shit, to come out with a brand new alien I've never seen before, you know, and then this comes out with just things... They look worse than the Chitori from the first Avengers movie. You know, I'm not having to go with the Chitori. They were fine for the time. But, you know, it's... um, And I couldn't tell you the story of it. It doesn't have a good story. It's it's adult, but it's not good. Like, it's adult, but, like, it's not like Logan, <laughs> you know? It's not like adult is in, like, it's R-rated or anything like that. It's, um, I just, I, I you know. I just really didn't. I didn't enjoy it. And it also kind of tees up this big thing at the end about Thanos. And it's like, this is not the right film for it. But also, like, I just don't think they're ever going to get that back. You know, nothing will ever match the cinema experience and the culmination of everything that you wanted and seeing it in Endgame and everyone cheering all the right bits. It was, as Scorsese said, like a roller coaster ride. And it was brilliant. And we're never going to get that back. And I know I need to change my mindset and I need to enjoy things just on their level, you know. As I said, that's what almost ruined WandaVision for me because I'm looking for symbols and everything like that. But if the current state of the Marvel landscape is them trying to do stuff like, you know, Eternals and Sony doing stuff like Venom, Let There Be Carnage, which was another fucking... Like, as if as if it could be a letdown because it was never going to be good. But I heard it was 90 minutes. I heard it was a get in, get out. I heard it was an odd couple kind of thing. What this is what you, and then and then what happens is it ends in the most boring boss fight I've ever seen in comic book movie history. It is just so predictable, boring. You know, you can't even you don't even know what's happening. Like I know I know Michael Bay gets a bad rap for for uh, tra- Transformers because all the moving parts you don't can't fucking see. And imagine that, but with liquid at night. And I'm just thinking the only good part about this movie, and it is it is fun, is Tom Hardy debating with himself which he gives Venom this weird fucking Welsh accent and him just having these constant scraps. Venom is not the big superhero, right? I know you're making him out like he is or anti-hero or whatever it is in this movie, right? But he is, you know, not even in the top five villains for Spider-Man. So if you have a character like that, he doesn't need to be as important as you think he is. It's actually a good thing he's not that important. You could make the first ever exclusive do Ted with Venom. Do fucking Mark Wahlberg and a fucking teddy bear. Do um, Seth MacFarlane's Ted with Venom. And have no superhero consequence. They're just living in the flat. Give me a whole movie of it. Honestly, it would be the breath of fresh air that this superhero genre needs. And DC are going to do it. Because DC are not able to fit in the Marvel model anymore. And Sony are trying to copy kind of the Marvel mo- model. But they don't have the deft touch. They do not have the deft touch. <laughs> I've been chatting on for... Sh- like, can you hear my voice now? I'm actually going hoarse now. I'm chatting so shy. So why not just take a risk? Make a movie <clears throat> that is a superhero rom-com. Make one that's a, you know... Um, fucking Venom and Eddie Brock go to White Castle. Do you know what I mean? Just... Just... You have to... You had the opportunity for doing something completely different. And it was going that way. And then what you end up with is just the most boring, beige, vanilla, shite scrap at the top of a clock tower. And it's just no imagination and just so unsatisfying, (laughs) so deeply, deeply unsatisfying. And the last flick is uh, The French Dispatch, Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch, which I didn't think 
I didn't think he could make, a, you know, a, a do too much of a Wes Anderson movie. But this, actually, do you know, it's not even too Wes Anderson-y. Because normally Wes Anderson movie has heart. It's normally a kind of down-on-their-luck protagonist who just lives outside the real world. They live in a fantasy land, whether they live in, in theatre or they live in, you know, in, in film or in a book. You know, there's always these, and this is his newspaper movie. This is his New Yorker, you know, movie. But because it's a kind of an anthology or whatever you call it, like three short stories, even though each short story has an opportunity to have a character like that or something you can kind of get behind, you're just kind of watching stuff happen and 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 it's all journalistic speak. And so it's it, it's kind of, it's not very palatable. It's not particularly enjoyable to, to watch, in my opinion. And, um, and I think it's just, it's exactly the movie he wanted to make. And he'll probably go back to something that's a bit more of a kind of a, you know, I don't know, some character speaks, you know, different from how everyone else speaks. So some kid with big bottled glasses, you know, speaks like a, you know, 1940s uh, detective sleuth in, uh, in in the Northern Territories of Australia, you know, or, and falls in love with an Aboriginal girl, you know. But these is just everything, everyone speaks like that robotic, you know, um, Wes Anderson kind of, like everyone, no character gets to differentiate themselves. And there's so many people who want to work with him. And I get it. He is, this, you know, he's in terms of like a palette of actors, he can get whoever he wants to do anything. It's the only thing that Bill Murray shows up for anymore. But the fact that everyone just talks exactly like each other, you're like, this could be anyone. You could literally have chopped and slotted anyone here. So I, everyone, and everyone's performance is so restrictive because they have to speak like a Wes Anderson character, do you know? Um, <clears throat> now, look, I was going to do... All right, look, I'll very briefly just do, um, and I'm not going to talk about Spider-Man now, even though I don't know if people give a shit, but um, I might do that on, a, on an upcoming pod because I, I, I still don't have my thoughts on it. But my initial thoughts is that I don't like it. I think it's actually dumb. I think that I think the plot is dumb, and it gives reverence to things that I don't like. <laughs> so why should I kind of cheer when I see them kind of come back? You know, I hated Willem Dafoe as the Green Goblin. I thought he was shite. I thought he was, sh- I thought he was he's insane. And I didn't like the whole part of it. I, I like Andrew Garfield, but I didn't like his Spider-Man. So I certainly don't give a shit that the worst villain that's ever been in a Spider-Man movie comes back. And it's it's more Sony than it is Marvel. And I don't have a huge issue with that. I know I'm more on the Marvel bandwagon. Uh, you don't be rooting for these corporations because these corporations don't give a shit about you. And they will as easily cut out two gay people kissing if it's going to offend a market. So, you know, they are just there for the dollar and all that. So I don't have any allegiance, but I do think Marvel make a better movie. Um, so why should I give a shit about that? You know, why should Sandman come back in pure CG sand? You know, I just think... and and. Doctor Strange, if you've seen the trailer, just just making, just doing the stupidest thing, just a stupid decision that sets a... And, and you know what? Like, Spider-Man's a smart guy. If you ever play Marvel Top Trumps, he's up there with Reed Richards. He's up there, not as far as Xavier, but he's one of the smartest characters. And I love Tom Holland's, Tom Holland's portrayal of him, but he's smarter than this in this flick. And, um, and it also... It kind of just sets up this next era for Spider-Man that I don't know if I'm excited about and I'm kind of dissatisfied with. And I don't know if they know what they're doing with the multiverse, which is the only thing they have. Until, of course, X-Men! And that's going to change everything. When they get X-Men and they get it right, they that is going to be their cash cow. You may as well have another Disney. Have another Marvel that's all X-Men. You're going to have high school, you know, will they, won't they... Uh, Riverdale shows that take place in Xavier's Institute for Gifted Youngsters. You're going to have classic X-Men. You're going to have new X-Men. You're going to have English X-Men. You're going to have everything. There's always a team. Don't you get it? It's always only been about X-Men. When they told me they were making an Avengers movie, I laughed my my ass off. You think it's going to be better than X-Men? X-Men is everything. Best villains imho, apart from Spider-Man's villains. It has the most relatable superhero stories. They're not all powerful. They're outcasts. A lot of them don't even want their powers. Whenever they figure out X-Men, whenever they start it, it's going to be the cash cow that they have. And it's hopefully this kind of middling phase can just, you know, peter out. Pardon the Parker pun uh, until they figure out X-Men. Um, and I actually I actually wager that they're going to bail 
on the, they might introduce the X-Men in the MCU, but they're going to they're going to have an MCU and they're going to have an XCU. It is that rich of a of a vein to mine once they get that right. So XCU, you heard it here first. I coined it. They can pay me billions in revenue now. Now listen, thank you very much for listening to this pod. Thank you very much for just letting me talk about some films and tell you a story about when I um, smoked a fake bifter out on the beach. Um, I would like to also thank the sponsor of this week's podcast, the Dubliner Irish Whiskey. Go to the DLD.com, grab yourself a bottle. As I said, I've been really enjoying these highballs. They're going down smooth. I should actually grab another one now before my voice totally goes. Um, and I want to thank... Um, yeah, I've already thanked you. Listen, thanks very much for listening. I'll be back over on Friday on the Patreon. If you like this podcast, and actually you'd like to listen to a few more, go over to patreon.com slash Tony Cantwell and you can get and sign up for um, a podcast that you can listen to, an extra podcast that you can listen to every single Friday just for the price of a pint. And as new tickets for gigs are announced, they will always be um, at least 24-hour early access, early word access over on the Patreon to get those tickets. Listen, thank you very much. All the best. Bye-bye. So